Welcome to the very first episode of the podcast, the Snapped podcast. Um, I'm lucky enough to have Kanye here with me, or Basement, as he is well known. Yes. And I'd like to thank you for taking the time and coming through on this first episode. So like I say, the whole idea about this episode is that we're going to be bringing in creatives and people who make things um, and talk to them about not only how they do it, but also how do they balance doing that and staying mentally well, which is also an important aspect for me, and just get a sense of what's out there, because I think creating platforms for people to see how things are done and the practicalities of that and discussing what that takes is quite important in terms of where we are. So thank you very much for coming through, and I don't know if you want to just give us a sense of of, of what it is you do, because the reason I wanted to talk to you was that yeah. you're sort of a multifaceted person. So go ahead and tell us what it is you do. All right, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be part of this and uh, the first episode as well, you know, breaking the ice for this podcast. So thank you again. Uh, so like I said, my name is Kanye Sile. I go by Basement. That's my stage name. I'm a DJ as well as a clothing designer. I own a clothing brand called Transcend. And I've recently got into app development. So I have an app called Dijo. Dijo is a food and uh, food delivery and uh, app which basically caters to the market for home cooked and traditional foods. So it's basically like your Uber Eats, your Mr. D, but going taking it back to home cooked meals. And that is what I do. And now I'm venturing into events as well. I've got an event called Any Given Sunday and as well as an event called The Shop with other partners as well. So I've tapped myself into quite a bit of pies. That's cool. Uh, and we'll get, to the, we'll get to the app thing because I thought, I thought what a brilliant concept, this idea of like localizing things and, yeah. and we'll talk more about that. So I wanted to know from you because this is a question that interests me in terms of your history and your background. So this kind of multifaceted essentially business you've got your fingers in many business pies. Is this genetically predetermined through your parents? Is this like, this is the cloth you were cut from? Or or is this something that's completely right of field compared to where you grew up and how you grew up? Or were you the kind of guy who was selling, you know, sweets to his friends at school and making money and turning turning a profit? Or, or were you like, whoa, I'm so surprised that I'm on sort of wanting to do this now compared mm. to what I was destined for, so to speak? Uh, I think it's right of field. Uh, both my parents were blue collar. Um, myself from high school, that's when I started like getting interested in entrepreneurship. I was a guy selling sweets. Um, I went to a boarding school, Parktown Boys. And from grade 11, you were allowed to bring appliances like toasters, microwaves. So after dinner at six o'clock, we were selling sandwiches and all these snacks at eight o'clock. So I think I've always just genetically had um, this, this, this business mindset. And then from there, I started my clothing brand, uh, studied at the Academy of Sound Engineering. Music has just always been a thing for me. So I was doing both of those at the same time. And then to take my clothing brand to the next level, after graduating, I went to fashion school. Did fashion school, a course for a year. Um, and then from there, I just entered the industry as a DJ, fashion designer. So I think, yeah, it's, it's this right of, it's not genetically like imprinted in my history of entrepreneurship, but I and, think. And so how was that received? 
uh, in a space where you did not have that as like if your your dad and his dad and his dad w came from that multifaceted environment, you probably would have been supported outright. How were you received upon? Hey, it I'm going to go on my own. It was extremely tough. <laughs> it was extremely tough going against the grain. Um, so my dad passed in 2012, uh, but till today, sometimes a lot of people might find it vain, but I think if he was still alive today, I would not be where I am as an entrepreneur. I probably would be working as a, an accountant or IT or something like that. Um, but my mother, fortunately, as much as it was tough to convince her, we went through our trials and tribulations, but I think she saw how determined I was um, in this is what I'm trying to do, uh, take the road less traveled. So she kind of gave me the green light after some fights, but now they're starting to see how um, it's, it's, it's flourishing for me. So in terms of, of that um, that battle, uh, also mentally, like you say, there's this, sometimes there's, there's the sort of voice of, of legacy and of what should have been or, or where you should have been. Does that sometimes play on you negatively? Like, oh, I could have had an easier life or a more straightforward existence than what it is right now? Um, definitely. Uh, we're human, you know? Like, everyone likes money. You know, I enjoy money personally. So it's tough sometimes seeing your peers um, who took the normal route. Um, there's a friend of mine as well. We did IT together. And he went all the way. And sometimes when I see him, he's like, dude, now it could have been living soft life. <laughs> <laughs> we could have been you know, somebody. It could have been, you know. Um, and actually, he's the one who I now go to, to for advice for my app. Because he's the first person I spoke to about the idea. So he's worked with a couple of startups in Cape Town. And he's like, the whole logistics game and stuff. But he gave me some tips and ideas. So it's kind of like full circle. Like, we might have not went in the same direction. We might have started together, but full circle we still ended up together but i'm just doing it more on the entrepreneurial side now so i'm not working for someone i'm now employing people to get my idea out still in the tech space so it happens like that as well with other facets that i've been trying to get into so but still like it is tough um you know as a human being not being able to 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 get everything that you want, and then you're seeing your peers um, taking that easy route, like I said, it, 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 it does take a toll. And, and um, something, something which interested me is, uh, and I've only recently started sort of looking into the, the fashion world uh, in, in a more holistic way, because on the surface, it, could, it can look for an outsider very much like some kind of um, self gratifying, navel-gazing, obsessive, sort of, sort of very egocentric and disconnected. But what I'm realizing is there's this idea of art as clothing and art as cultural, um, I don't know, communication. How do you, why clothing? Why did you go into that? And take us through the practicalities of that. Like you now have a label and that has been physically manifest. Like you've actually got stuff out there. Mm. How did, why that and how did you get stuff out there? Um, why I got into clothing, legit, because it just looked cool. Um, it looked nice. And there was a certain style that was happening overseas around the time we started our clothing brand in 2012 that was not yet being received or available here in South Africa. So we would take inspiration from that and then with our own designs, like you were saying, with art, and just 
print some cool tees. Friends asking, yo, where do you guys get that? No, we just made them. Okay, no, we want that as well. And then, okay, from there going, seeing traction. Okay, actually, let's start a clothing brand. And at that time, we were looking at your Virgils when they still had Pyrex. Um, there was a couple of other guys doing some things overseas. Uh, but Virgil was the main inspiration for us, especially the street culture and for the youth. So that's how, we got, that's how I got into fashion. And then once we realized that, okay, there's something here that we could possibly have, Luckily, the two guys that I'd partnered with at the time were like-minded in terms of business. So we just put 2,000 Rand together each, contributed 2,000 Rand, went on Google, looked for like a manufacturer, found the place, lost all that money. <laughs> that was the first lesson we learned, <laughs> um, you know. And then went back to the drawing board. So it's, it's, it's a learning along the way because we have no experience of fashion. We stayed out of high school. We're still studying, but doing this as a side hustle. So that's where I actually learned probably how business has to be implemented into your craft, even as a, especially as a creative, um, which is one thing that they, they, they really, as creators, we do lack on that end. So it was a hard way of losing a lot of money, learning how to gain connections, quality control. That's how I think... Um, Getting, getting the product out there was, was, was a success for us. So, so you mentioned um, looking at someone like Virgil, who, again, I've only recently started delving into looking at his latest sort of Louis Vuitton collection yeah. where he's written an 80-plus page thesis on the, the thinking behind the, the show itself. And I was completely floored by the depth of the um, conceptual thinking it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, the guy's wearing a big cowboy hat. Mm. So cowboy hats are in. I didn't realize that there's, he's, he's trying to activate many, many elements and facets of society and communication and, 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 and. Is that process similar to you? I mean, you, like he, he started out saying, this just looks cool and I like it and I, you know, that, there it goes. But how is that, how is that, uh, that world feeding your creative how, how is that impacting you and what are you trying to do with the clothing? Is there, is there that level of thought that you're putting into it as well or is it still along the lines of I like it so I'll just put it out because it looks good? Um, not anymore. So there is a certain level of depth but not to the point of an 80-page thesis. <laughs> I don't go that deep into it. But more so I see it as a means of expression for myself. So that's the direction I head into of how I am as a person, what I'm feeling around that season is what I would put out into the clothing and then express myself through that. That's the means that I take it into. So it's more personal, um, but I do know that there are people who relate to it because there is that demand for it. Yes, to the layman, it might be that looks cool, but then having the concept going in depth with the lookbook, um, explaining what each garment and the types of material I use for it, like it all correlates. So it depends on, it might look cool to someone else, but to another person, like you're saying, you can see that this was actually a thought out process. And I actually do explain what I was feeling at the time and why I used which material I did and the colors. So I go in depth with that by even Googling what color, which color means what, for example, you know, white is purity. So, 
I would go into that depth of everything. Mm. Yeah. And, and and in terms of that, what do you feel like? What do you feel about the statement "create the things that you like" or doing the things that you like? How much of that has to be affected by a kind of market awareness, or do you go, "I'm making the stuff that I like, whether or not you like it," um, or "I'm making the stuff that I like, but I'm going to adjust it so that it fits within a framework that is understood by a market"? I would balance it. Mm-hmm. At first, it was just middle finger. Yeah, I do what me, I want, but then. <laughs> that doesn't bring the money in, you know what I mean? That's where the business aspect comes into it. So I'll have a capsule collection that is now where I'm fully middle finger. This is all me. And then I'll have a collection which is for the market, still in correlation with using the same colors and whatnot, but then I would design the eccentric type of garments that is for me. And those who will, and usually I'll like have limited quantities of those, compared to as like the t-shirts or the hoodies have like large quantities for the masses. So I try to balance both. So you're still kind of wearing me, but if it's too eccentric for you, I'm still catering for the common person compared to that who is willing to wear something that's out of the ordinary. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And what is the biggest challenge in the in that space, in the clothing space? Is it is it very much um Kanye West's ideas around gatekeeping, it's difficult to get into. I mean, at that level, I suppose, but what have you found has been the biggest um, stumbling block in trying to manufacture and then also get it out? Money. Okay. Fashion is very expensive, especially in South Africa. Um, Lack of resources, manufacturers. um, A lot of guys want proudly South African-made garments but the cost to make a garment here. And then you put your mark up and everything, and then it's like, it's too expensive. But you need to cover your costs as a business, you know? So one thing I've realized, entering the market is not hard because I've seen many come, as long as you have a big budget, you're good. So money has really been a big, um, like, uh, speed up mm. in, the, in the game, but... It's, 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 it's also playing the long game. Um, we've been around for seven, eight years now. And people still ask, you know, I haven't released in the last two years. And people still ask, when are you releasing the next? When are you releasing the next? Because of how my brand could relate to them. So it was more on a personal level, more than just I'm buying a t-shirt because it looks cool, you know. But then again, yeah. Business-wise, it's, it's, it's the biggest, biggest speed up is money. Hmm. And your, your DJing, um, the DJing aspect seems to be, I mean, that's a very, that's also, again, both individualistic expression, but also appealing to people around you. Yes. So is there similarities there and crossover for you, fashion and music? A hundred percent. So with the DJing, um, with my brand transcend, fashion, music, art, I think is part of one culture. So I think they're all mixed together. So I had started a blog, a music blog, uh, where I'd feature DJs and producers that I enjoyed and who kind of portrayed what transcend stood for. So transcend is a mixture of trendsetter and transcend. 
So I wanted people who were trendsetters and who transcend music and fashion and art. So me as a DJ coming into it was very easy to get into the industry because of my passion for the music and as well as how from a clothing brand designer to a DJ. I mean, Virgil as well was also a DJ. So it, it made sense. Mm. And that, yeah. So, so practically, how did you go from, I'm assuming I'm, I'm liking music, I'm mixing music in my bedroom at whatever age to I now am in front of people. How did, what was that? Was it somebody who gave you a break that you, you broke down their door and said, I can do this, here we go, here's, a, here's an example of what I can do? Or how did you get into a space where you can now be heard by people? Um, so I used to, like you're saying, be the bedroom DJ, uh, playing all the music for the guys at the boarding school. And there's a club in Bramfontein called Great Dane. So we used to just go there all the time and they just didn't play the music that we enjoyed. So I legit just went to the manager and said, what does it take for me to DJ? At that time, I had not touched decks. I had never been an actual DJ. I was just on the laptop. And it's like, no, just send me a mix. And um, if it's nice, then we'll play it. So I was already a regular there at the venue, so I knew the manager on a personal basis. I legit sold my keyboard because I was trying production, but it was just taking so long for me to actually get to where I wanted to. Sold my keyboard, bought a DJ controller for like half the money. Taught myself within a month, sent through a mix. He's like, come play your first gig. And I had my laptop, my controller, and ever since then. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Um, but, but there was already a relationship that you've established with that individual at the club. At the club, yes. Because one of the things that I'm quite bullish about is a lot of people trying to create a business, they constantly are selling services or products without there being relationships. You can't 100%. become my, you can't be my, it's like, it's like in a relationship that you have with a person. Yes. It's like you can't sell them something and say, will you be my husband or wife? It's like, it doesn't make sense. Really That's strong doesn't. arming. What have you found has worked for you in terms of relationship building? How do you, are you the kind of person who puts out stuff and, and, and connects and gives value for free? Do you think there's merit in that? Uh, or do you go, I have something for you, but it's going to cost. What are your thoughts around building those relationships? How do you go about doing it? I find social currency the most important thing especially not even just the creative space business space as well um having a relationship with someone gives you that advantage and also you can gauge on how the type of business you guys would do or how they receive your product your clientele you can only find that out through relationships that's why i still think they say that word of mouth is still the strongest form of marketing because there's that human interaction that you have not just posting Instagram ad and hoping, fingers crossed, that someone will compare to, um, you know, speaking to the people that you potentially want as your clients or your fans or your business partners or whatever. So I feel like getting that break, uh, a lot of people were like, dude, how did you get this gig? You just started teaching like now, like how did you play at Great Dane, which is then one of still the biggest clubs in the city. And it was off relationships. And I use that to get my way into what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, so, so the the third leg to your your um, your tri stool of of business <laughs> is is the app 
side of things, which I think is very interesting. Um, because obviously every Tom, Dick, and Harry says, well, we should just have an app, right? Yeah. I think there's something interesting. Can you go in a little bit more detail as to the the actual, um, the app itself? Is it going to be servicing specific areas in, in inside of the country, Joburg? Um, and then obviously it's, it's sort of very localized in terms of what it's going to be offering. Just mm. go into a bit more detail because I think there's definitely a gap there. 100%. So... Uh, just to break down how the app actually even came about was during level five last year. Level five. Yeah. So I think this is six months deep. I realized, okay, this DJing thing is not going to work out now. Entertainment is scrapped. I'm busy looking for my old CV now to <laughs> update, you know. And I was at my lowest um, Emotionally, physically, I mean, everyone, it took a toll on everyone. No one um, knew how to handle COVID at the time. And then there were, again, relationships. A couple of friends of mine from high school are VCs. So they're like, I went to them a couple of years ago with my clothing brand transcend. It didn't work out, but they're like, dude, if you have a cool idea, come talk to us. We can do something. So I just started like reading a lot and seeing, okay, tech is clearly the thing that's now going up during COVID. Then I just kept doing research, 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 and then until I came up with the app. I'm like, okay, cool, where do I start with this? That's when I asked my friend who did IT, relationship. He's like, okay, it is a possible avenue, so, 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 just do this, 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 that. Worked on the pitch deck for three months, pitched it to the VCs, boom. They were happy, got funding. So the app itself, basically, like I said, operates exactly like a Uber Eats and Mr. D, but it just caters to the local market because one thing I did realize in COVID is that a lot of people are losing jobs. So why not make money from your kitchen selling food that you know people would enjoy as well as getting a home-cooked or a gorda or traditional food that you know you have to travel to the township for now you can get it delivered to your doorstep. Because one thing I've noticed where the world is moving into now is convenience. Everyone just wants something that is, con they're willing to pay for, for convenience. And I figured that this is the market I can tap into. So we are starting off launching in Soweto. And from there, be branching out. Because one thing I've noticed about the app space, number one, understand I don't know anything about this industry. <laughs> Again, like how I did with the DJing, how I do the clothing brand, I'm learning along the way. Um, obviously, this is at a larger scale, so I need to like hire people who actually really know what they're doing because I can't just wing this with a budget of, let's say, three, four hundred thousand rand. It's money I've never seen before. But it's, 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 it's using my experience from my past um, businesses and just applying the same method of, 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 of how to maneuver and just bring it into a sphere of, okay, this is where we're at right now. So I'm not really in the driving seat. I am the owner and director of the company, but I have a marketing team that literally does the research for me. Okay, this location is the best place to launch the app because of there's more restaurants there. And by restaurants, I mean the home cooks and uh, the traditional guys, you know, that make the food, that's very popular because you want to get people who have traction. I'm not just going to go hire Tabo from 
Berea because he makes a good quarter. And mm. then Palesa from Santon, we need to now check in which area is where. And as well, seeing that the lack of Uber and, and, and Mr. D in the townships as well. So we figured, okay, with all the market research that we've done, this is the best place to start launching and then branch it out from there. Mm. So, so is it going to be that people can apply to become, um, they can be service providers through the app? Uh, is it going to be that anyone can, how is that going to be done? Like, do they apply? Yes. And then they're like, well, we make this and this and this, come and see us? Or how does it work? So for now, I've reached out to certain restaurants who I think can help kick off the app. Um, so as we're moving forward, we're going to be opening up applications to, to, to other merchants. Obviously, having a qualification type of tier to be like, if you reach all these, um, if you checkbox everything on the list, then you do qualify. Then we will come and vet and see if you do have the necessary um, facilities to cater to make food for their masses. If, say, now you're going to have 100 deliveries in the day, can you match up to 100 deliveries in a day? So we will definitely be opening up as well as drivers to not just car drivers, but we're even like thinking about guys with bicycles and eco-friendly, you know. If you're going to start in a township, not everyone in a township has a car. You know, so scooter uh, going on from there. So yeah, that's that's how we're gonna be starting it off. And and one of the things that you said that um, for me is 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 quite interesting is that, and I find this especially when you see politicians and people in uh, I don't know supposed leaders, they have to answer questions with answers quite quickly, and they very rarely say I don't know. This is something that struck me often. It's like they never say, I don't know. Mm. It's almost like it's a, the culture that we've created, the short-form soundbite culture is, okay, we're going to discuss the nature of violence against women in three minutes. Thanks so much for coming. <laughs> so you said it's not an area that you know much about, if anything at all. Yeah. So what is your opinion on the idea of fake it till you make it, pretending that you do know and carrying yourself as if you do when you actually don't? Have you tried that before where you've had to be like, no, I'm a fashion designer, there I am. And it's like, boom, boom. Does that help you? Or do you have a sort of opposing view to that where it's like, well, if you don't know, you don't know and just admit it and figure it out. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't necessarily publicize it, but to a lot of people, they assume the way that I move that I know what I'm doing. When in hindsight, I'm just like, bro, if only you knew, <laughs> you know? So with fashion... For example, I never called myself a designer until I went and done a course. So I did not want to disrespect the guys who actually studied fashion, for example. And just because I print t-shirts and go to a tailor, make me these garments. Hey, I'm a designer. So I actually went and did the work, how to learn how to cut patterns and sew garments in order for me to call myself a designer. So the same as it going with the app. Right now, I don't call myself an app developer. I just call myself, um, I, I founded the company, don't know what the hell's going on with it, and I'm doing research. I mean, for me, in order to, for me to get funding for it, I had to have done a large number of research, um, which took a lot of time. So for, for a VC to be like, okay, we see that there is a potential here. It's because of the numbers and everything that I've done. And this is something that I've never done before, but I learned and as I'm going along the way. So I think... Um, fake it till you make it to a certain degree. Uh, like I say, like with an app, it's, it's, it's something, it's different. Like I've taken 
I feel like I'm on level one, two, three, four, ten. I've skipped like six levels. Now I'm on level ten, and it's like, whoa, okay. This is not really an industry that you can fake it and make it. Um, this is a potential to be a conglomerate, like a really big fighter in the game against your Ubers and stuff like that. But I guess for those who think that they can, I mean, there are a lot of pretenders out there. And I guess just know your role, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but in hindsight, I used to find it funny. Like, I used to think, how do people just do all these things? But I think just listening to a couple of interviews from, from, from different entrepreneurs and, like, millionaires, a lot of them just say, dude, we don't know what we're doing half of the time. And they admit it, like, sometimes it's luck, but with luck, preparation. Mm-hmm. So they prepared for it. They don't know what they're really preparing for, but like one day something's going to happen and it does. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing you can do is prepare, but you're learning literally along the way. So interesting that you say that you gave birth to an idea in the lowest point of the last few months. Yeah. Um, in terms of that, and I, uh, you, you sent a message to me where you spoke about how this new space that we're in, I like the... Mortal Kombat reference of decapitating creatives. What did that look like for you in terms of um, that low space? What was that space about like? And what what do you think, what do you attribute um, yourself, you being able to dig yourself out of that? What was that like? And why, why, what do you think that was? Uh, I think, I forgot the saying, but if you push someone against the wall, that's when now it's like do or die. So I think we've all just been so comfortable in the spaces that we've been in. And COVID was a reshuffle, a reset for everyone. So if you were at the top, I was at the bottom. When COVID hit, we were all on the same level. And now that's when you got to see who really fought, like who really could get themselves out and for a lot of people, actually, it was to see their true potential. Like, I never thought I could think in that type of sphere, or that type of magnitude of, of an idea. Being a DJ, fashion designer, where the hell does an app food idea come from? That's when I realized, okay, as an entrepreneur, like, that's when I knew I was born and bred for this. Um, just finding gaps in markets and trying to find a solution for it not necessarily having to be in that surrounding or that space. And that's when I even, when we had the conversation offline, um, how much Kanye West is such an inspiration to me because it's just one quote that he said, like, you have one life to live and do everything you can when he was told not to rap when he was a producer, has the best hip-hop discography right now. Um, You're not a fashion designer. I think you got it. PhD or doctorate in fashion or something like that and has the one of the biggest clothing brands in the world so he never and he never let anything stop him to what he wanted to do and as well as his best project he made in his rap career was at his lowest point that's when his mother passed away so I see myself a lot in his eyes um, in terms of when you're at your lowest is when I'd say God is breaking you down to make you, you know, that saying of it's got to get ugly before it gets beautiful. 
So I think that was my point of breaking down everything and okay, now let's rebuild and let's take you to the next level. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So what's your relationship like to failure? How do you view that? So you've already you lost money in starting projects. How do you how do you handle failure and, and how do you view failure? Um business wise or like as as just as a creative, it's part of the game. But personally, um, I've realized how it, it, it really does affect me. When I started therapy, my therapist says I'm just very hard on myself, uh, like too hard on myself as a, as a perfectionist. So that's why I could just separate the two. Um, in the game, I know failure is part of it. Like I enjoy failing because I know what not to do next. So right now is the time I think I'm allowed to swear, right? Yep, <laughs> you are. Um, right now is the best time we should be fucking everything up so that when we now finally get that big break, we know what not to do. But it has taken a toll on me emotionally um, as a human being because failure sucks. No one does not, like, no one likes losing, you know, especially as a competitive person, so... It has taken a toll. Um, so it's just finding means of knowing that it is part of life to lose and to fail. But business-wise, I know uh, it doesn't scratch, it doesn't faze me. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. It seems like there are some very universal, um, there's some very universal uh, through lines with people who, in reflection, people say, oh, they've, they're successful at certain things. They seem to either have a passion for failing uh, somehow. They, they either have a good relationship to it, like I, I love failing as a concept because it tells me I'm going somewhere, or mm. they seem to be unscathed by it in a way. It sort of rubs off. So the more they do, mm. the more they fail, the more they succeed and the more they fail. So it's almost like a testament to. Yes. So that's, that makes sense. And I think that's it's fascinating talking about Kanye West is that now at the pinnacle of money is no object, he's now spending all his time wondering how to give back in a holistic way. Yes. It's like how do we build cities that have that are sustainable this and people can eat? And yes. So so even for it's interesting that there was a full circle for him, is that in 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 creating this identity, he became almost identityless to refine something which is a lot more whole. Yes. It, whether you agree with it or not is irrelevant. For me, there was something in that kind of peeling away the bullshit, which yeah. a lot he had to, there was a period where he was a little teenager, like, yeah, I am who I am and I'm Steve Jobs. And, I'm getting, yeah. and now he's like, well, I've changed. And I think that's quite cool that you can, that you can look back at that and say, wow, that time that was really hard. And, and the fact that you're very open and say, when I started therapy, the fact that now that's less, um, less stigmatized. That's yes. like, oh, you don't have a therapist? Why not? Yeah. You should get one. They're fantastic. <laughs> you know? So that's quite cool that you're in that space now. So again, I think, um, we will probably talk again. There's a sense of that, I think, yeah. in terms of just your desire and energy and drive, and it's just, it's just great. So um, what I'm going to do is put um, your, your information and, and, and everything relevant to you also in the description of, of the show. And, and thank sure. you very much for coming and doing the first episode. It's really cool. It's great yeah. to start. You, you are number one. So when we do 100, we'll say, let's go back to number one. Number and one. then back then, uh, I'm very, very, very happy for, for, for being here. Um, Jeez, I feel like we could have talked more and more and more and more, but 
maybe episode 100. Mm, we'll exactly. come back. We'll come back and we'll talk. So what's in like the $6.4 billion you were offered? Yeah, you know, probably then you'll have to be like, you need to call my PA. Oh, sorry, I don't have the time. <laughs> Who's that? I need to fly in from the UK, you know? <laughs> now that's cool. Thank you very much for coming. I appreciate nah, it. And thank I, you so much. It's going to be cool to see where you go in the future. 100%. Awesome. So long on the corridor. Gotta clean up, get armor. Gotta hold on like a harder. If you're trying to keep up, get a bottle. Let me get in my zone. Why are you catching feelings, feelings, feelings? Why are you catching feelings, feelings, feelings? Outside, color boy from the birds by the drop by. Got a poise for your turn, keep a shot by. Light a joint, let it burn, pop, pop, pie like. Yeah! You don't even play with the kids outside. I don't even fit into the cool guys. Got putting two blind eyes to my two shy side like. Yeah! Talk to me nice, I don't understand ya. Mm. Keep all your likes, fuck your double taps, yeah. Mm. Okay, let me chase, you gon' need a catch up. You might wanna patch up I've been so long on the corridor Now my feet up on auto Gotta hold on like a harder If you're tryna keep up, get a bottle Let me get in my zone Why are you catching feelings, feelings, feelings? Why are you catching feelings, feelings, feelings? Our truth, we believe in shallah. Pray I do, but it's skip my salah. Super hot five man, it's pit masala. Coulda go by, don't think, just dollar. Yeah. Clear as it is, I still get cut up. It is what it is, but still I got up. Okay, I'll wait. And I'm still well respected. I gotta keep perspective, and it's just else collected. But the beard's connected. Fuck it, I'm tired of waiting. I had to stop complaining. Marlon or Sean or Damon, I might have found a way I've been so long on the corridor, now my feet up on auto Gotta hold on like a harder, if you're trying to keep up, get a bottle Let me get in my zone, why are you catching feelings, feelings, feelings? Why are you catching feelings, feelings, feelings? That's how we learn and we build